0: You guys with me? Cool. Um, guys, we're going to finish the uh, sort of a, an interlude of a, a sermon series that we've been doing for the last four weeks. This is the fourth week that we've been talking about our family values. Next week, we're going we're gonna to dig into the book of Revelation. We got a yay. You guys ready for that? <laughs> we're deep diving into Revelation to go through the whole book. We'll actually take some breaks uh, Halfway through, when we get closer to December, we'll take about six weeks off um, to do another sort of an interlude sermon series about grace. We'll do Christmas, and then we'll go back to Revelation, and it will be a wild ride. So, ready or not, next week we begin. But this morning we're gonna talk about our fourth family value, which is the value of fullness. And the idea of talking about family values, we are a church family. And like every local church, like every part of Christ's body as it exists as the church, um, we have a unique role to play. We, we have certain distinctions, and we're not just here arbitrarily. God didn't call us here. We didn't plant Grace City here uh, just because we were bored, and what the heck, you know, Portland probably needs another church. Well, they do, but we were led by Jesus in a very specific, unique way to, to be who we are, to fulfill the, the specific works that he's prepared for us as individuals and as a church family to participate in. So it's important for us to be reminded occasionally, like, who are we? What, what, what are our distinctives? What are our missional objectives? And as we, as we keep going along the way, Let's, let's remind ourselves, let's make sure that we don't drift too much and let's keep coming back to what's really important and, and what we need to be reminded of this year. Now those values are obviously Christian values, these aren't like made up Grace City values, these are biblical values that I think every church um, needs to hold to, but um, for us, for this season as it were, that we're about to go into as a church family, these are some of the things that that we feel like this is important. We need to be reminded of these things. So anyways, we'll finish that this morning, then off we go into Revelation. So family values. As I said, the fourth and final value that we're covering this week is fullness. So if you've got a Bible, grab it, open it, turn it on. If you'd like to borrow one of our NIV paperbacks in one of the boxes in either one of the center Isles, you're welcome to do that. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1 starting in verse 13. We're going to get we're going to get into Ephesians this morning. Ephesians is also known as the book of power. How about that? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. In him, that is Jesus, in Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee or down payment of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, fellow believers, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation that you may know him better. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That's a bit of a mouthful and absolutely beautiful it's it's theological poetry. It's profound. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The fullness of God who fills all of us in every way. The family of God, the church. The body of Christ, he says, is the fullness of God because God fills us, all of us, with all of himself, the Holy Spirit, without holding back. Let's just think about that for a moment. I don't know how you feel about the church lately, but we are the body of Christ, the fullness of God who fills all in all. I find that incredibly um, inspiring and challenging. Like that's it. That's God's vision of us, the church, his body. Grace City and the historical universal church, the big family of God. That's what he says about us. How mind-boggling is that? It's challenging because I look around. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, really? Are you kidding me? That's who you say we are. That's that's how you see us. He goes on. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says to the Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 22, In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God By the spirit. And in chapter 3 verse 10. He says so that. Through the church. The manifold wisdom of God. Might now be made known. To the rulers and authorities. In the heavenly places. God fills us. With himself. All of us. With all of himself. He builds us together. Into a dwelling place. For himself. The Holy Spirit. So that his power might be displayed on a cosmic level. That's amazing, amazing. This is mind-boggling. The God who in ancient days set entire nations trembling on their face before him. God Almighty has seen fit to fill us With all of himself. And that's the church. What do you think about that? Some of you are like glazing over already. Okay, just just hang in there. Bear with me. We've got to get our heads around this. The God who in ancient times. I'm talking about like God who revealed himself. At Mount Sinai, God who filled the tabernacle, God whose very presence in the temple caused the priest to physically be flattened to the ground. The God who set nations trembling on their face in his presence has now seen fit to fill us, his children, his church, with the fullness of all that he is. How is that? How intense is that? Super intense. Super duper intense. But not surprising. It's not surprising, particularly if if you've been reading the story of God. By the way, I've been meaning to do this for months now. We're coming on October. Do you remember what we started last October? (laughs) This is confession time, all right? (laughs) the the Bible in a Year plan, the Bible Project Read Scripture plan. You guys remember that? Some of you are like, I I wasn't here last October. So we didn't make like a massive deal about it. We made a little deal about it. We're all going to read. Who's actually made it almost all the way through? Are you Kennedy? Go ahead. Don't be embarrassed. That's incredible. Jeff? Jeff? That's awesome. Oh my gosh, I feel so deeply convicted right now. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't. I'm sorry, I'm just gonna I'm saying it, putting it out there. Maybe we'll try again this year, and maybe we can all have another go. Kennedy, Jeff, just give us your secrets. But if you read the story of God, from beginning all the way up, yes, through the book of Revelation, this God who's Who's promised to fill his church with the fullness of all that he is. This, this was God's vision from the very outset. Let me, let me take you on a quick tour of, uh, of what I'm talking about. Exodus 19. You don't need to turn there. Exodus 19, after setting his people free from slavery in Egypt, they, want, they take a, a short wandering through the desert and finally arrive at the base of Mount Sinai. You know where God gives Moses the Ten Commandments? You saw that movie? (laughs) On the morning of the third day, God descended upon the mountain, and there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain, and the mountain was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. So we see a powerful storm, a rushing wind, if you will. Fire. And the people were terrified. Meet Yahweh. God Almighty. This is his introduction to his people. On the mountain. in wind. And fire. He calls the people to himself. Of course they won't approach him. Um, don't blame them much. They're absolutely terrified. They won't come to him. So God goes to his people. In Exodus 40. It says that God gave Moses design specifications for a tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And after construction was complete, a cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And then immediately after that, we're told that God would lead his people into the promised land by a pillar of fire in the day. Wind and fire once again. Several generations go by. We get to 1 Kings chapter 8. And in place of the tabernacle, we now see King Solomon completing the construction of the temple. After constructions complete, the temple's dedicated, and we're told that, quote, a cloud filled the house of the Lord. So the priest couldn't even stand to minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. We're told as well that when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. This is a theme that builds up and up and up all throughout scripture. God wants to dwell among his people. And every time he's present, there's this phenomenon of wind and fire. It's a supernatural thing that takes place. But God is in it. Which brings us to Acts chapter 2. You might know where we're going with this. When the day of Pentecost arrived... This would have been the day, or certainly close to the day, when God's people were meeting with Yahweh at the base of Mount Sinai. It's around that same time of the year. When The day of Pentecost arrived, after Jesus had given his own life as the perfect sacrifice for our sins, it says, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were meeting— And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was God's desire and his vision from the very outset. That his people would be filled with all the fullness of God. This is a very, very valuable thing to us, church family. And this is not weird, hyper-charismatic, uh, Holy Ghost fire freak show spirituality, by the way. And I feel, I feel, I feel it necessary to, to make the qualifier because um, I suspect that at least some of you, as soon as the preacher starts talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit and wind and fire and Pentecost, there are potentially some red flags that begin to, to arise. Like, oh, goodness, did he just say tongues? I think he just said tongues. Are we about to get weird? Some of you are like, yes, yes. Let's get weird. <laughs> and some of you are like, uh, I th- I'm feeling led. I'm feeling led to leave right about now. Guys, um, however you feel, that's fine. If you are weirded out by this stuff because you've had some negative experiences, like I'm, I'm not trying to make light of it. I would like to lighten it. Um, or if you're really excited, wonderful. Here's my point, is that this is not like, like per, uh, this is not weird. This is not like some sort of side uh, theological project that certain you know, parts of the church occasionally dabble in. Now this, this is Bible from beginning to end. This has always been God's vision for his people. That all of God's people would be filled with his spirit. That we would all hear the voice of God. That we would all become, a, we'd become like a priestly nation. Not just one person, not just a prophet, not even just Jesus himself, but because of what God did in Christ... Because the, the, the veil in the temple had been torn from top to bottom, it wasn't just a single high priest that would enter into the holy place and experience the wind and the fire and the presence of God. But that all of his children would be filled with all the fullness of God. This is, this is like following Jesus 101. At least it should be. This is why when Peter, the apostle Peter, stood up to explain what was actually happening as the crowd looked on on the day of Pentecost. They heard the wind. Uh, I don't know if they saw the tongues of fire on their head. But they, they were witnessing some sort of like supernatural thing. And so Peter stood up to explain what was happening because he could tell there was some confusion. And what did he do? He quoted from the Old Testament prophet Joel who said, in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. He's saying, this is, this is what we've all been waiting for. This is not new, this is not weird. Well, it's, it's new for sure, but it's what we should have all have been expecting, eagerly looking forward to. We value being filled with all the fullness of God, the Holy Spirit, because Jesus didn't come to simply give us a good moral example to follow. He came to transform us, to give us new lives, to be, he came to be the greater one who lives inside of us. He came to be the greater one who lives inside of us. Now, was he a moral example? Of course. Are his teachings meant to set us free? Does the truth do that? Absolutely. It's not, it's not disconnected from our minds. But I want to make the point that in our, in our little corner of the world, we, I would argue, largely experience God on a cerebral level. We listen to podcasts and read books. That's what we do. That's what I do. I do it all the time. I go to seminary. I read more than I'd care to, to be perfectly honest with you. And so I have a a rich cerebral relationship with my God. But oftentimes, we, we sort of stop there. And we forget that, no, God is... I mean, it's, it's one of the fundamental promises of Jesus that when we gather together like this. We look to him, that he's present with us, that we're not just thinking about him, but we're meeting with him. And he promised that he wouldn't only be with us, but that he would even live inside of us. And he would be the greater one who changes us from the inside out. Why is fullness of value? Because without it, we're only just waxing philosophical we're just thinking about God but never actually encountering the living God who does in some ways that sometimes even manifests his presence in spectacular, supernatural ways. Sign me up. This is real relationship. This is really experiencing the presence of God. Here's something interesting. So we're reading out of Ephesians. This is a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. He actually wrote it from prison, probably in Rome. When Paul had first arrived in Ephesus, okay, this is Acts chapter 19. When Paul first arrived in Ephesus, we're told that he met some disciples there, and he asked them this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit When you believed. This is his first his first trip to Ephesus. And we're told specifically that he meets a few quote unquote disciples. Disciples of maybe John the Baptist, um, disciples of perhaps um, Apollos, Apollos who had just been another apostle who had just been to Ephesus prior to Paul arriving. Uh, Perhaps disciples of Jesus. And he asked them the question. He recognized that, okay, these guys are disciples. They're followers of Jesus at some level. But did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, I know some of you are thinking. Because oftentimes, when, if you've ever heard this little, little passage in Acts 19 talked about or referenced, um, our default Is to make this into some sort of theological controversy, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, but you know, he actually met. You know, they were disciples of John, and they weren't actually saved yet." Da da da. da." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, I've, I've read the commentaries as well. Wonderful." Um. But the question remains. The question remains. I get it. You believe, but did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? How do you feel about that question? i've i've asked people i've met believers before over the years and i can tell like oh you love jesus or you've got a heart that's clearly open to jesus and 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 you want to go to church and but dude what do you know about the holy spirit did you receive the holy spirit when you believed you know what probably the most common sort of reaction that i've gotten whenever i've posed that question slight defensiveness like what do you mean i'm a christian Are you questioning whether or not I'm filled with the Spirit? Well, no. I mean, yes. But not in that way. Have you been filled? Not does Jesus live inside you, because if you're a Christian, obviously, yes. Jesus lives inside of you. But did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? This is the question that Paul asks. And to be sure, it is a bit of a theological conundrum. It's like, yes, obviously, if you believe in Jesus, then the Spirit of God lives inside of you. But did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? What what is he asking? What does that even mean? Is there some sort of like levels to it? I don't know that I would describe it that way. But there is something about actually believing in Jesus and then experiencing the fullness of God filling you in all ways is that did you receive the holy spirit when you believed how can you tell you might be sitting here thinking like okay, i'm not i'm not i won't be defensive okay i won't be defensive i think i have the holy spirit but i'm not 100 sure how can you tell is there a litmus test Are we meant to test ourselves to see if we are in fact in the faith and filled with the Spirit of God? Yes, we're actually instructed to do that explicitly. How can we tell? Well, uh, if we read on just a little bit further, I'm talking about Acts chapter 19 again. They answer Paul's question by saying, we've never even heard about the Holy Spirit. Which I think is a very honest answer. Not defensive, just mm, don't actually even know what you're talking about. <laughs> Go on. And so Paul prays for them. We're not giving details, but it does say in verse 6 when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Okay, so there's that. Is the evidence that you're filled with the Holy Spirit that you pray in tongues and prophesy? one could argue that I wouldn't but you can't get around it for sure like I mean all throughout the book of Acts people are filled with the Holy Spirit and one of the relatively common things that happen is that people pray in tongues and prophesy pray in tongues and prophesy what is that all about? some of you are like man that weirds me out okay yeah I get it it's bizarre Pray in tongues when, what is prophecy, by the way?, say, Have you ever heard someone pray in tongues? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. How do you feel about that? Weird it out? <laughs> You're like, "I do pray in tongues. Still weirds me out. <laughs> I think it's a great gift. I think it's a biblical gift, um, and in fact, if you read uh, the book of First Corinthians, this is another one of the letters that Paul. Wrote to the church in Corinth, they were like down with the Holy Spirit. Tongues, prophecy, like like the works. They were totally into it. And he had to kind of correct them because they were getting super weird about it and missing the point. They were making it all about the like experience and forgetting like the heart of it all. We won't go into all that. Um, but in that same letter, he actually encourages the believers to eagerly desire all of the spiritual gifts. Like, they're gifts. They're good. So there's that. I don't don't think that that's the evidence. And I'll I'll tell you why. Because I've known plenty of people who actually pray in tongues. And I'll be dead honest with you. This is going to sound terribly judgmental. But I thought to myself, you're faking it. It's not real. And you don't even have the love of God in your hearts. Okay. Now, God alone can and decide whether or not that's the case or if I'm just being incredibly judgmental, all right? But I think you guys know what I'm talking about. Just because you can sort of stir yourself up in some sort of like quasi-spiritual frenzy doesn't mean that it is the Holy Spirit living inside of you. And I'd be quite happy to just let God be the judge when it comes to that. How do you know you're filled with the Spirit? Tongues perhaps, Uh, supernatural demonstrations, perhaps, wind, fire, healing, God actually moving in a way that it's clearly not me, but the Holy Spirit working through me in that moment. Absolutely. What about tears, shaking, a boldness to tell others about Jesus. That's a common manifestation. In the New Testament, when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, um, it says oftentimes they were emboldened. Like Peter on the day of Pentecost, I mean, that's a bold move. What did he do? He was filled with the Holy Spirit, like all twelve of them, and they said he stood up in the midst of the crowd and boldly proclaimed the good news about Jesus. And we see that time and time again. In fact, in one instance, specifically in Acts again, it says the believers prayed for boldness, and the place was shaken, just like Mount Sinai was shaken when God descended. And they were filled with boldness and went out and began to proclaim the gospel. That could be one common indicator. It could be any or all of these things. But I think there's something more fundamental. Let's go back to Ephesians. If we keep reading this letter... Eventually, we get to, uh, well, chapter 3, verse. uh, Let's go ahead and put that slide up. Verse 14. For this reason. So, think about everything that's been said. I mean, the the, the power, the fullness, the God Almighty coming to dwell on his people. And then he says, For this reason. What is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is his prayer once again, that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. And if we go on just a little bit further, we finally come to Ephesians chapter 4 and he says this. Next slide, please. I therefore, so this is, we don't have time obviously to read through the entire letter Although I, I did think about it <laughs> all of that, the prayers, the proclamations, it's, just, it's like this it's almost like you could use this as a worship song. It's exuberant. And he says, "I, therefore, I, what do you think he's going to say next?" Yeah, he's going to refer to himself as a prisoner from the Lord cuz he's literally writing this letter from prison. I therefore Go ahead. A prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. How utterly anticlimactic and beautiful that is. I've done my best to to make the point that we're talking about the power of God God almighty God who has descended upon the mountain God who filled the tabernacle God who flooded the temple with his presence God who shows up in the wind and the fire God who desires to fill us with all the fullness of who he is why? why? so that we might walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. This is where the supernatural, almighty power of God is put on display for the cosmos to stand in awe. When the sons and daughters of God, the church, love each other like that. That's why it's a family value. You know why most people leave the church and sometimes even just walk away from their faith in Jesus, my personal opinion? You know why? Because of a person. Because someone's let them down. Perhaps someone lied. Perhaps they've been on the receiving end of hypocrisy. I've lost track of the number of times I've had that conversation with someone who's left the church. Why'd you leave the church? Nothing to do with Jesus. It's, it's the church. I left the church because of the church. Where is the power of God All the fullness of him who fills all in all at work in our church today. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? If we did, we walk like this. We love each other like this. We do family like this. This is the awesome power of God almighty at work in the church. When together as sinners as we limp along, struggling, flailing, trying to get our lives together, trying to appropriate the grace of God in all of our brokenness and complicated bits of our lives, like this, bearing with one another in gentleness and humility, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, Will, will there be discord? Will there be arguments? Will there be letdowns? Absolutely, 100%. Of course, which is why it's not even about how awesome the church is. It's about awesome our God is who lives in us. Are you guys, are you guys with me? Is this making sense? I can't tell you how many times God has brought me back to this passage right here and reminded me. You want to experience like the awesomeness, the fullness of my power? Let me tell you what it looks like primarily. This right here. The children of God. Walking together. Loving each other. This is, guys, this is the heart of the Father. This is the heart of the Father. He wants his children to actually love each other well. And as we do so, demonstrate to the world looking on, this is who God is. This is the fullness of God manifest in his body, the church. Not when I'm shouting in tongues, although by the way, I'll say I've said it once before. I'll say it again. I pray in tongues. There you go. I confess. It's an amazing gift. It's an amazing gift. The prophetic word? Better than tongues. Way better than tongues, because when people are actually like connecting with the heart of God and saying things that align with his word and that are very specific for a person in a moment, that's that's prophecy in the new testament context we're saying words that are like coming from the heart of the father to encourage and build one another up that's prophecy awesome gift super powerful some of you got it and you use it it's amazing god will begin to speak to you like it, like a very subtle still quiet way and, and you're listening you think it's your own thoughts but then it's like i think perhaps god is actually speaking to me and it certainly aligns with his word and And all of a sudden, you're like hearing the shepherd's voice. You can share it with others. You can build up the church. It's an incredible gift. But there's a more excellent way. There's an even greater power, a more more explosive demonstration of God's fullness in his body. And it's when we love each other like that. That is the power of God. That's what we value. Have you been filled with all the fullness of God? Let me ask you a couple of questions and then we're going to wrap it up. Have you been filled? Well, you've probably heard of the Holy Spirit, but here are, here are a few signs of fullness. You know that you've been filled with the fullness of God when someone offends you and instead of a bitter disdain towards that person, you feel deep compassion. When someone in this room sins or offends you, instead of feeling disgust or disdain, like, eh, why don't you just go away and not come back, the Spirit of God calls us to bear with them and to feel a deep sense of compassion for a broken brother or sister in Christ. Or how about this one? When someone close to you is caught sinning, and instead of distancing yourself from them, you engage them in patient, gentle conversation with the hope of helping them to come to their senses. When someone in the family of God is caught sinning, perhaps it's in a really gross, horrendous, painful, hurtful way. Instead of saying, why don't you just leave? Because your sin's gross and it offends me. Instead, the Spirit of God would compel us to engage with them. It's like when Adam and Eve, going all the way back to the garden, they sinned, they rebelled against God, they lied about it, they hid, they were ashamed. What did God do? He went looking for them. He didn't stand aloof. He didn't even curse them. He cursed the ground, he cursed the serpent, and he went looking for his children, and he engaged them. He asked them three questions. He called them to confess and repent so that he could restore them, cover them, bring them home. When the Holy Spirit is at work within the body of Christ, that's how we respond to a brother or sister who's caught in gross, painful, hurtful sin. Number three, here's one. When you come into a gathering like this, here's possibly the most... Undeniable evidence that we are being filled with all the fullness of God. And when you come to a gathering like this, and your motive isn't merely to see what you can get, but rather you have an earnest desire to serve, build others up, maintain unity, and draw near to our Father. That's probably the most undeniable evidence that you have been and are being filled with all the fullness of God. The transformation that begins to take place inside, it is one of what can I get because I'm like empty and dry to what can I actually bring to the table? Do we all still have needs? Heck yeah. Yeah. Do I still have some needs that need to be met? Most certainly. But as I am being filled with all the fullness of God, the transformation that's taking place in my heart and in yours, it's one of what can I get to? I've been given so much. How can I bless another? Let me make it really, really plain. If you've been coming to Grace City for a while, you're like, "Man, I really like it here. Kind of feeling it. I really like the music. Preaching's okay. I think I might come back." You've been coming for a month, maybe two months, but you're not serving. You're not giving. You're not looking for ways to bless others. It's a problem. Thank you, Lynn. (laughs) It's a problem. It's a problem. We are called to be filled with all the fullness of God. Ephesians 5, if we keep going, you know what Paul says? He says, don't be filled with uh, alcohol, wine. Don't get drunk with with alcohol. Be filled with Actually, the way the Greek grammar is constructed, it's, it's most literally, literally translated. Go on being filled. Be being filled with the Spirit of God. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Perhaps a better question for us is, when have you received the Spirit lately? Are you being filled with the Spirit of God today in this moment? Can we stand together please? You're now listening to Grace City Portland.